So I've had a great week. I'm just going to boast for a little bit. I've been down at Mattersea Bible College for the week. It's been glorious weather. Last year I was there as well, and it was the hottest week of the year, and it was uh, almost as warm this year. It was just incredible to spend four days with a hundred other trainee ministers, learning from some of the national leadership team, and hearing from Glyn Barrett from Audacious, our uh, our national leader. So it was just great to just be fed and watered with incredible teaching and vision and you know real practical stuff and and real theological stuff it was a proper mix of of information i feel like i've come away just i don't know i went in with the thought oh, i'll go to the sessions and then maybe i'll get some work done in the evening but it was like whoom, information overload and so came evenings came and i was like nope just gonna, <laughs> just gonna chat with the guys and and interact with people but it was an incredible week of of teaching and inspiration who knows it's good to be inspired by the word of God well I hope that that's what we can do a little bit of this morning so why don't we pray and then we're going to delve into into the word father God we just thank you for your presence here this morning we thank you that whenever we open the word of God you will speak to us and we just pray this morning that you will tune in our, our spirits to what you've got to say to us this morning and I just pray that each and every one of us will hear from you that Holy Spirit, you will move this morning and you will speak to us, that you will move us, that you will challenge us and inspire us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to uh, delve into the scriptures. I've entitled this, uh, this message, Confidence in Your Calling. Confidence in Your Calling. And we're just going to read from John chapter 10, verses 22 to 30. So why don't you turn with me or it will come up on the screen. It says this. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. My, she my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, wants, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So the context of this, uh, this portion of scripture, we've just seen Jesus talking about the story of the, the good shepherd and, and that story tells us about how we're, we're known by God. It's very much about, about identity, about purpose, about being known and being uh, seen and being cared for by our heavenly father and it says that, that his sheep will know his voice. So when we're close to Jesus, when we're, when we're close in relationship with the father, we'll we'll know his voice when he speaks to us. So that's why I encouraged us at the start of the service that, that actually when we sing worship to him, we're speaking to God. So it's good to, to leave space so that we can hear back from him because he wants to talk to us. He's always talking to us. We just need to learn to hear his voice. But in that portion of scripture about the, the good shepherds, it, it says that my sheep will know my voice. So when we're in relationship with him, we'll, we'll recognize him. And it also says that, that when he calls, we'll come, because we hear him. When he calls us, we'll come. And it gives us that, uh, that sense of feeling safe and feeling secure, because we're being looked after, we're being cared for by a shepherd. 
Now, Jesus loved to use uh, kind of analogies of the time, and obviously this was a time when, when shepherding and sheep farming was, was, you know, key in the area and in the time that, that Jesus was alive. So that's why he used these analogies of, of shepherds and sheep, because they could relate to what it is that he was saying. So it's important to understand that kind of, that kind of context. So we've looked at this, this portion of scripture, I'm the good shepherd, and then we come to this passage that I've just read. And my first point that I want to pull out this morning from this passage of scripture is uh, that we all have a call from the Father. We all have a call from the Father. And it says, when, when Jesus is being called out by the Jews, just, just tell us, if you're the Christ, just tell us. Let us know. Don't shy around. Don't give us any metaphors. Just tell us plain and simple, are you Christ? And he says to them, I've already told you. I've already told you, but you don't believe. I've already told you, but but you're not hearing me. So when Jesus was questioned about his purpose, about his calling, when they're saying to him, is this really who you are? We've got this idea, this impression that that might be who you are. We kind of get this idea from you that you believe that you're Christ, but Can you tell us? Can you tell us plain and simple? And he says, I've already told you. I've already told you. He's got this confidence within him on his his call, on his identity, on his purpose for being here on earth. So he responds with authority. I've already told you. I've already told you. Why is it that you're even asking this question? Why are you even asking me? I've already told you. I've already told you. And And what about us? You see, I believe that each and every one of us has been put here for a purpose. Each and every one of us has been given a calling from God. And sometimes when we talk about this phrase calling, you think about full-time ministry and you look at pastors and preachers and teachers and you think, well, it's okay for, for you. You know your calling because you're called into ministry. But that's not for me. I work in a secular job or, or I just, I, I, I focus on my family and so I don't have a, a calling from God. But that's not true and I want to break that off this morning that a calling doesn't just refer to full-time ministry. We are all called by God. We are all called by God. We were all given a purpose from him. Something that we were given to do on this earth that was given to you and to you alone. We were given a mission by God. Do you know when the Great Commission was uh, charged over the disciples, it was just as relevant then as it is today. It's equally relevant today because Jesus charged his, uh, his disciples and he encouraged them that they were to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them. And it says, I will be with you at the end of that passage. I will be with you to the very ends of the age. And that's talking about us today. He's here with us right now. He's still with us, encouraging us, empowering us, equipping us for the call that's been placed on our lives, that we are to go and to make disciples, that we are to go and teach people about the love of God, that we are to go into all the nations Now, that can throw us, can't it? Because we can think, oh, okay, this is a a mission. 
I've got to go to Zimbabwe. I've got to go to Venezuela. I've got to go somewhere. But you can go out of your front door. You can go to work. You can go across to your neighbor and make disciples. You can be showing the love of God in everything that you do. Everywhere that you go, you can be taking hold of this calling that was placed on our lives to go and make disciples. It's not about getting on a plane and going hundreds of thousands of miles to get somewhere and and save them. It's about going into wherever you're involved in. It's about going into your workplace, going into your family unit, going to your friendship groups and speaking in to their lives. And we can have courage in that because God says that I will be with you to the very ends of the age. And we are, as a body, we're referred to as church, aren't we? We're referred to as the church. And I learned something this week. The, the word for church means, is a ecclesia. And that word ecclesia means called out ones. Community of God. <coughs> so we've been called out by our very name, by our very, very nature. The term that we refer to ourselves as, the church, means called out ones. We have been called by the Father. We have been called by him. We've been called by God, we've been called to God, and we've been called for God. And this calling that's been placed on our lives is to proclaim the good news, to speak out the good news, to live out the good news that is inside of our hearts. We've been called to proclaim the message, not to protect it. And I think sometimes it's easy to kind of slip into this mentality that, oh, I've got this incredible relationship with God and I've, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, so I'm just going to spend time in his presence because it's so good to spend time in God's presence. And I'm going to go to church and I'm going to worship my heavenly Father and don't get me wrong, that's an incredible thing to do and it's so important. And I'm going to go to my Bible study and I'm going to receive from God. And I'm going to go to a prayer meeting and I'm going to go to all these things where essentially we're just protecting ourselves. We're protecting this message and this calling that's been placed on our lives, but we've not been called to protect it. We've been called to proclaim it. So if all we're doing is going to church meetings and spending times in our personal devotions to to fill ourselves, then we've missed the point, haven't we? Because God's called us to go into all the nations, to go to our workplaces, to go to our neighbors and to share this thing that's within, within us. We can't just protect it and keep hold of it and think, this is incredible. I'm going to keep it all to myself. We've got to share it. We've got to take it. We've got to give it away. Because when we give it away, God pours it back into us, doesn't he? When we give of ourselves, he fills us even more. It's like Jess was speaking about when we're generous in the way we live our lives, in the way we we share about Jesus, he will pour back into us and he will keep on filling us with his presence and with his power and then we can pour it back out again and it's this continuous cycle of him filling us and us pouring it out. So I pray this morning that we'll, we'll grasp hold of that, that we won't just keep 
this incredible thing that we've got to ourselves, but we'll, that we'll take, uh, take courage in the fact that God's with us, that God's with us and he's charging us with, with sharing the good news. And when I'm talking about sharing the good news, I'm not talking Ephesians 4 evangelism. That's a gift that's given from God to specific people to equip them and empower them to go and reach the nations. But what we can't do is say, well, okay, there's evangelists and they've been gifted by God with this this incredible gift that they can go and preach the good news to to everyone they meet. But me, I'm, I'm not that person. Well, that's okay. You're probably not that person, and that's absolutely fine, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to share the good news. That doesn't mean because that gift has been given to that person that they're covering it. There's an evangelist in Lytham St. Anne's. It's okay. They've got it covered. I can just carry on going to church, thank you, and, and meeting my friends and, and feeding myself. There's an evangelist in town, so it's absolutely fine. I I don't need to fulfill that role. Well, that's not right. We, as a church, are called out ones. We've been called out by God, to God, for God, for the purpose of proclaiming the good news in your area, in your kind of sphere of influence. Whatever area of life you find yourself in, that's where you're called to live out and demonstrate the love of God. So there is a calling on your life. Are you getting this point this morning? Whether you're in full-time ministry or not, there is a calling from God on your life. And I love this term church as well because it's not only about called out ones, but it's about a community of God. That phrase community is great because it encourages that we're not alone. We're with other people. We're alongside others that can encourage us and support us and help us. Now, my sons love, the, love Lego. They love the Lego movie. Anyone seen the Lego movie? There's a catchy song in the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. And that's true because when you're part of a team... There's something that encourages you, that empowers you, that gives you confidence that you don't have when it's just you. When you're stood on your own and, and you're in a situation and, and maybe you're thinking, oh, I could, I could do something right now that would demonstrate God's love. There might be some fear within you that's stopping you from stepping out into that. But when you're part of a team and you know that there's others around you that are praying for you, And where there's others that are speaking life into you, saying, you can do this. You've got the courage and you've got the ability to go and do this. Don't be afraid. When you've got that community around you, you can do so much more. There's that saying, isn't there? The the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's so true because as individuals, we can do so much. But as a community, as as a church, as a body of people, we can do so much more than we can as individuals just going about doing our own thing. There's that scene I'm going to talk about, kids' movies apparently today. There's that scene in Finding Nemo. Anyone seen Finding Nemo? There's this, this, this scene in it where um, a, a, a fishing boat lets down its net and catches a whole bunch of fish. 
And they're just kind of like, oh, well, this is it. We're, we're getting pulled up to the surface. And, and little Nemo swims in, and his dad's, his dad's there, and he's all fretting and nervous because he's the scaredy type. But, but Nemo's like, no, I know what to do. And he swims into this, uh, this net full of fish, and he says, all you need to do is swim down. Swim down, and, and you'll be able to escape. So he's spreading this message around this shoal of fish, and they're all like, oh, right, okay, yeah, we can do this if we just swim down. And then, then they begin to catch hold of this message. Just swim down. And Dory's there, just keep swimming, just keep. And they, just, they all start to push down, and they push down, and they work together as a team, as a unit, and they push down, and finally the, the net reaches the bottom of the ocean, and things break, and they're all released. But if it was just one fish that grasped hold of that message, we just need to swim down, they wouldn't have made an ounce of difference. But it was because the community, because the togetherness of that group, that they were able to, to break free. They were able to do something that they didn't imagine they'd have been able to. They were just like, we've been captured. This is it. I believe that community helps to stretch us. It helps to push us. It helps to, to drive us into things that perhaps we, we didn't even think that we could do. Let me say this phrase to you. Don't let your personality drive your theology. Don't let your personality drive your theology. What do I, what do I mean by that? Don't let who you are determine what you believe. Don't let who you are be, be in, don't let your personality be in the driver's seat of your decisions, of the actions that you take. Because sometimes that our personality is restrictive. Sometimes who we are, actually that kind of idea of, oh, well, this is who I am, makes us think that we can't do things. And we begin to doubt ourselves and we begin to, to question ourselves. You know, I heard this, this phrase the other week, I don't know whether it was even in here, but our dreams and our, and our visions can be restricted by the fears that we're willing to deal with. So sometimes we can, we can think about things and we can begin to dream and we can begin to have visions and begin to believe for a better future that the best really is yet to come. And then we begin to think about what that might look like in our lives. And then it gets a little bit scary because God gives us big dreams. And we begin to think about what that future might look like. And then we're like, oh, wait a minute. What do I need to do to make this dream come true? What do I need to go through? What, what's that process from here to there look like? Well, actually, I, I think I might fail on that journey. So maybe I'll just, I'll just shrink that dream down a little bit to make it just... Still a stretch, but just a little bit more realistic. And, and so we begin to kind of almost dumb down the, the visions and the dreams that God puts in our hearts because we're, we're scared about what the journey might look like. You know, maybe I don't have the confidence to stand on the platform and say, I'm believing for a, a church of 200 by 2020 because that's a big dream. You know, I look at the numbers and I'm seeing 50s and 60s week in, week out. But we were spoken to and prophesied over at the beginning of the year when we talked about vision, about this idea of restoration, that actually we're going to get to a place where we are so full we don't have enough room. Well, you can fit 160 people in this room. So I've got to believe for more than that, haven't I? I've got to believe for more than that. But that's scary, isn't it? Because what does that look like? What's that journey? If I stand on the platform and say, I'm believing for... 
200 people by 2020. Well, you've all heard that now. And, and you're going to come up to me on January 1st and go, John, what are the numbers like? <laughs> like, well, you know, it's... I'm believing because God empowers us and equips us. Because God calls us to dream big dreams. He calls us to think big thoughts. He calls us to ask more of him than we could even think or imagine. So it's okay to dream big dreams. And it's also okay because it's not just me. I can speak this out over the church, but it's not me that needs to make it happen, is it? It's us. It's all of us as a collective, as a church, as a community, working in, in step with the Spirit of God in order to see this vision come to pass. So if it doesn't happen, it's not just me. Yeah? We've all got to work together as a community, but just coming back to this idea of, of personality driving theology, are there any introverts in the room? The introverts are now thinking, oh, I really want to put my hand up, but actually, <laughs> a little bit. Root's an introvert. I'm, I, I'm probably an extrovert. I don't know. I don't, I'm not an extrovert. I'm like an extrovert. And I think maybe even less so over, over the years. But, you know, I think introversion can be, is that even a word? Intro, I'm going to use it. Introversion. <laughs> It's one of those things that it's almost seen as, as a negative personality trait, isn't it? I don't know why, it's, but it's kind of dubbed as a negative personality trait. But all the introvert means is that you draw energy from yourself. You draw energy from quiet, alone time, just you and your thoughts, and you draw energy from that. That's how you kind of empower yourselves to be able to face the day. And an extroversion, we're going to use that too, is drawing power from other people, from social situations, social environments. So when you're in that situation with a group of people and, and you're chatting and you're engaging, well, that's what gives you energy. It gives you life. And I don't think that either one is better or worse than the others. But, but this idea of, of introversion is, is one of those personality traits that actually... It can, it, we can use it as an excuse to not do the calling that's been put on our lives. Well, I couldn't possibly tell someone, I couldn't possibly invite my neighbor to church because that scares me. It makes me feel nervous. I'm too shy to, to bless someone with, I don't know, even just like a free cup of tea. I'm too shy about, about what they might say or how they might respond. Well, if you're an introvert this morning, here's a question. Is, is it okay to use that as an excuse to not do the calling that God's put on your life? You know, we started this morning looking at, at this idea that we've all got a call on our lives to, to go and preach the good news. We've all got the call on our lives to, to take the love of God, to take this, this thing that's been put inside of our hearts and share it with other people. Every single one of us not just the extroverts. Every single one of us is called to do this. And now you introverts are like, what are you doing, John? What is going on? But the gospel, the reality is that the gospel is far too important to let our personality drive our actions. It's too important. Do I need to remind you we're talking about life and death? This thing that we're talking about is eternal. 
So we can't just keep it for ourselves. We can't protect this good news. We have to proclaim it. We have to proclaim it. So maybe I can say in love, you need to get over yourself this morning. Maybe that's a little harsh, but the reality is that we're all in community. We're all in community. We, we're doing this together. It's not you on your own with your fears and anxieties. We're all in this together. We're all rooting for each other. We're all cheering each other on. We're all praying for each other. You can do it. And that's why the life groups are so incredibly important because it's in those kind of safe environments where we can share some of these fears. Do you know what? I've got this person on my heart that I really want to, to see one for Christ. Maybe together we can pray. Maybe together we can pray for an opportunity for me to share something with them or to invite them and bring them to church. Because if we can just get the courage and the boldness to, to bring someone to church, you can let someone else tell them. You just need to get them here and let someone else do the hard work. But I really believe that this idea of community, this idea of, of relationship, of, of church in its truest sense, can help to equip us and empower us. Because when we're in community, the community around you nudges you, and they stretch you, and they challenge you. You can say, oh, I, I just don't know if I can do this thing. But, but your friends in your life group, they can say, you can do it. Let me show you an example of, of where you're already doing it. Because sometimes we, we have these fears and these doubts and these anxieties about, about proclaiming or, or demonstrating the love of God, but actually we're already doing it and we don't even realize. So let your friends and your community show you that. Let me show you what you're already doing. And I love that that's what, that's what Jesus said to the Jews, isn't it? He says, uh, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. The works that I'm doing, and we're already doing it. If we're in relationship with God, if we're in community with Him, we're already doing it. We're already doing it. Here's another thought about community. When you're, when you're in community, you give up the right to get everything you want. When you're in community, you give up the right to get everything you want. If that doesn't make sense and you can't correlate with that, well, think of it like a marriage. When you get married, you give up the right to be selfish, don't you? You give up the right to think only about yourself because now there's two. Now there's two and you need to think about the other one even more than you think about yourself. So you might want to, I don't know, watch one program, but your wife might hate it, so you have to think about them. Or you might want to go on holiday somewhere, and you know, maybe you're a, a sightseer, and your partner is just a relaxer, and you're like, let's go on this great holiday, and we're going to see all these amazing things, and the, your partner's like, I just want to sit by a pool and do nothing. So what are you going to do in that situation? You give up the right to think about only yourselves. It says in, in the Bible, doesn't it? Wives, submit to your husbands. And all the husbands said, Amen. And then you read the next scripture. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, he gave up everything. He gave up everything. 
So we can take that scripture and think, yes, they've got to submit. But so do you. So do you. Because if, if I'm thinking just about Ruth, if I'm putting Ruth above, above me at all times, and she's putting me above her at all times, that's community working as it's supposed to be. That's how God intended it to be. That we wouldn't be selfish. That we wouldn't think just about our own needs, just about our own thoughts, just about our own feelings. But actually we would think about others. And in community, in church, it's the same. Because we're called to be in community with one another. We're called to, to work together. The, the Bible describes us as a body with lots of different parts, all working together with a common purpose, a, a common goal. But we need to be thinking about others above ourselves. We need to be thinking about others above ourselves. It's no longer all about me, but it's about community. It's about partnership. It's about putting someone else's needs above my own. And I think the great thing about community is that it does give that support. It gives that, that network of friendship and relationships that can help to equip us and to empower us and to stretch us and, and then to release us into the call that God's put on our lives. Maybe even to remind us of that call and to point out how it is that we're already doing it. Look at what you're already doing. And in a church context, we're called. We are called out ones, called by God, to God, for God. And I love this idea of, of community because it emphasizes the importance of gathering. It emphasizes the importance of, of Sunday mornings, of corporate worship. Because we're to gather together. We're to gather together in this community so that we can, we can worship our God, so that we can give him all the praise and the glory that he deserves together together as one and then out of that togetherness we can then be released into our community we can be released into our neighborhoods released into our workplaces I mean Jesus didn't it didn't he he gathered around him his disciples he called a bunch of guys around him and he had that importance of community come and spend time with me let's do life together. Let's speak positively into each other. Let's stretch each other and challenge each other. He wasn't a yes man, just always, in, always saying, yeah, you're great, you're, you're doing amazing. Sometimes he called them out, you know. Are you doing enough? Are you, are you believing enough? He's, you can see the, hear the despair in his voice sometimes when he's like, do you not get it yet? Do you not get it yet? There's this importance of community because it helps to, to equip us and to challenge us and then to release us. And I think we can have doubts. You know, when I started this message about the calling of, of God on our lives, I, I, I can be confident in saying there are people in this room who thought, I don't have a calling or I don't know my purpose. But God has a purpose and a calling for each and every one of us. And sometimes we can, we can know what it is that we're supposed to be doing, but we can have doubts and, and fears and anxieties around that calling on our lives. Even if it's just as simple as the calling of proclaiming the good news. 
rather than just some specific calling on, on your individual life. This, this blanket calling for us all to share the good news. We can have these doubts and, and fears and anxieties around that. And maybe we can be a, a little bit like the Jews, crying out to God almost, what is my purpose? Am, is this really who I'm supposed to be? And he speaks over your life. I've already told you. I've already told you. Don't doubt in your calling. Don't question your calling. I've already told you. And then he goes on, doesn't he? Look at the work you're already doing to advance the kingdom. Look at what it is that you're doing in the Father's name. Because that speaks volumes. Look at what you're already doing. And I think that that scripture just helps us to be assured, to be encouraged, to be empowered in the calling that God's placed on our lives. But we, we do have fears and we do have anxieties and we do have doubts and, and that's okay. I'm not, there's no judgment here over that this morning. There's no judgment here. And so my second point is this, that we have protection of the Father, that we have the protection of of the Father, because in this, the scripture this morning, Jesus continues his, his sheep analogy and he reiterates that his sheep, that his flock, that his people are protected by the Father. We have this, this call on our lives and we've been called out by God, for God, by God, to God, for God, but it's okay when that brings about feelings of anxiousness and, and fear and doubts because we are protected by the Father. And it goes on to say, doesn't it, that my sheep listen to me. We are his sheep. That he knows us by name. It says, they'll never perish. They will never perish and no one can snatch them from my hand. It even says, my Father has given them to me. I love that picture of us being given to Jesus by the Father. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of intentionality. It's a picture of intentionality that we were chosen and selected to be given to God. And it's also a, a picture of strategic positioning that actually we've been given to God. We've been given for a purpose. You've been placed in your area, in, in your environment, in your workplace, in your family for a reason. You've been given by God. So take comfort in that. Take comfort in that. You know, it's, it's scary and daunting to live kind of this, this calling of God on our lives, to live all out for him, but he's for you. He knows you. He's got you. Whenever it is that you're taking a step of faith and you're you're believing for more. You're dreaming for bigger. Remember that God's got you. He's got your back. He is for you. I love that picture again of, of shepherds in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And it goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's a picture of, you know, the rod, which is protection. Because the, the shepherd would would protect his sheep with his rod. It would be used to, to fight away any enemies that are coming, any, any wolves that are coming to attack the sheep. 
It might be used to, to move out brambles out of the way. It would be used as this, this tool of protection. And then it says that he has the, a staff. And the staff is for guidance. It's almost like those tour operators holding up their umbrellas and you, you know where to go because you can see the staff. You can see the umbrella. You can see your shepherd's sign so you know which way to go. He's got your back. He's there to protect you and to guide you. So we can take courage from the fact and the knowledge that our Father is there to protect us. We have this calling placed on our lives and it, maybe it fills you with anxiety, but take courage that there is protection over you, that you have been called, that he knows you by name, that he will protect you and he will be with you every step of the way. And then my third and final point is this, that we have unity with the Father. You know, when the Jews questioned Jesus, can you, can you tell us who you really are? Can you tell us if you're really the Christ? He spoke with authority. I've already told you. And he spoke with that boldness and with that authority because of the very final sentence. I and the Father are one. Because he was at unity with his Father. Because he was in relationship with his Father he was filled with the assurance and the confidence and the boldness to know his identity, to know the calling that had been placed on his life. He knew his purpose without a doubt because he was in unity with the Father. And it's so important that we are in unity with the Father, that we walk in step with our Father, that we are focused on him and on his plans. Because when we're fixed on the point of our Father, we'll walk in a straight line towards Him. And it's only when we begin to doubt and when we begin to question and we let our eyes stray off that focus point of our future onto the worries or the fears or the anxieties or the distractions that will begin to stray off course. If you just fix your eyes on the central point of your heavenly Father, you'll walk in a straight line towards him and you'll be walking in your calling without even realizing it. We don't need to get worried or concerned or, or fret around, what is it that I've been called to do? What is my purpose? What is my identity in Christ? Just fix your eyes on him and he will guide your feet. Fix your eyes on him and he will guide your path. He will take you by the hand and walk you in the calling that's on your life. When we are in step with the Father, when we're in unity with the Father, when we're in relationship with the Father, then the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. The very same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. The spirit that, that lived within him, that gave him the, the authority to be able to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to turn water into wine, to walk on water, that same power lives within us. We need not fear. We need not have anxieties or be nervous or be worried because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. It should give us confidence. It should make us feel unstoppable. 
it should make us feel unstoppable. When we're in unity with him, when we're doing life with him, when we're in community with him, it's like a marriage and we're choosing to put him first above everything, above our personalities, above our fears, above our anxieties, above our worries, above the distractions, above the oppression that comes against us. We choose to put him above all of our circumstances and he will give us confidence. He will give us the power that we need to be able to do what he's called us to do. God has already given you everything you need to do everything he's called you to be. We all have a calling on our lives. Every single one of us has a purpose and an identity in Christ. And he has already given to you exactly what you need in order to be able to become that person. We just need to go on the journey. We just need to fix our eyes on him and walk towards him. And he will empower us and continue to encourage and equip us in order to do that and live that out in our lives. When he's at the center of our lives, when we're really focused on him, when we're really in relationship and community with him, we won't be able to just protect the good news. We won't be able to, to just keep hold of it ourselves. We'll need to proclaim it. We'll need to. It will just pour out of us. It will be eking out of our pores and we'll walk into a room because we're so in step with the Spirit that people will just go, what have you got? What have you got? I want it. You know, we hear about people like Smith, Smith Wigglesworth and, and this is exactly what happened to him. He'd be walking down the street and people would come up to him and say, what have you got? I want it. Well, he's no different to you and I. The same spirit that was working in his life lives within us. We just need to fix our eyes on God and walk in step with him. When he's at the center of our lives, we, we won't be able to contain it. In Luke, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When, when we're in step with God, our words and our actions will just demonstrate his love. When we're in relationship and community with God, everything that we say and do will be out of that place of relationship with him. So it will just pour out of us naturally. It will just flow out of everything we say and every do, everything we do when we continue to walk in step with him. So we need to remember to be in unity with the Father. We've been called by God. I love that we're doing this series in life groups at the minute. What on earth am I here for? It's all about purpose and identity and, and calling. But I encourage you, you don't need to wait until the end of the six weeks to, to get the revelation of what you're called to do. You're called to go into all the nations and proclaim the good news of God. You're called to live out a life that is honoring to him. You're called to speak words of life into people and not words that pull down. If someone found out that you were Christian, if someone didn't know and they found out you were a Christian, would it help the kingdom or would it hinder it? Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, okay. Or... Oh, you're a Christian. That makes sense. 
If we're walking in step with him, if we're walking in unity with him, then the calling that's placed on our lives will just live it out naturally. We'll be walking it out and living it out in everything that we do. Jesus said to the Jews, the works I do in my Father's name bear witness to who I am. I pray this morning that as we leave this place, we'll, we'll go out from a place of knowing God's Holy Spirit within us. We'll go out of a place of community and relationship with him so that everything that we put our hand to will speak of the Father. Everything that we do will speak of his love. Everything that we say to our friends and our colleagues and our neighbors will speak of his love because we're in step with him. You know, I think, and I said it earlier, that I think there's these, there's doubts and fears and anxieties that come over us when we, when we think about this. When we think about the, the fact that we, we need to do something. We can't just go to church and keep it to ourselves. We need to share this thing that we've got. And whether you even realize it or not, I think that there's walls and there's barriers and there's chains in our lives that need to be broken so that we can step out in faith into the fullness of all that God has called us to be. We are a church. We are a community of God. We are called out ones, called out by God, to God, for God. So we need to break down those barriers and those walls so that we can step into the fullness of him so that we can step into everything that he's put on our lives, so that we can step into the realization that the Holy Spirit lives within us and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We just need to step out in faith. God has put something inside of you. I hope you hear that this morning. If you, if you hear nothing else, God has put something inside of you, a call on your life to be able to share the love of God through everything that you say and do. So I pray that as we sing this final song that, that those barriers and those walls and those fears and those anxieties will be broken down and they'll be smashed down and you'll be able to leave this place stepping into the fullness of everything that God has put on your lives. Because God is for you. God has your back. He is walking every step of your journey with you. Why don't we pray? Lord God, we just thank you that you are for us. And that if you're for us, no one can be against us. That no powers, no, no principalities, no, no uh, weapons of the enemy can come against us because you've got our back because you are with us every step of the way. And I just pray this morning that you'll begin to do something in each of every one of us where we, we grasp hold of this truth that we have been called by you. That we can grasp hold of that truth that you have, you have put within us everything that we need in order to be able to do what you've called us to do. So break down those fears, break down those walls, remove those anxieties Take away those distractions that are pulling us left and right and help us to keep our eyes fixed on you so that we can continue to walk the path that you have called us to walk. In Jesus' name, amen.